Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Consciousness can be viewed many ways from varied mystical states to specific developmental stages. Today, we are going to explore the consciousness journey over time. Where are we? Where have we been? And where are we going? And maybe most importantly, what is this evocative, chaotic, evolutionary time we are living in right now? I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your heart and mind, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest, Dr. Robert Atkinson, author, educator, and developmental psychologist, is a 2017 Nautilus Book Award winner for the story of our time, from duality to interconnectedness to oneness. He is also the author or co-editor of eight other books, including Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions, and Hope for the Future. Living A Year of Living Deeply, a memoir of 1969, Mystic Journey, Getting to the Heart of Your Soul's Story, and The Gift of Stories. He is Professor Emeritus at the University of Southern Maine, an internationally recognized authority on life story interviewing, a pioneer in the techniques of personal myth-making, founder of One Planet Peace Forum, and a member of the Evolutionary Leaders. I'm really happy to have you back. Welcome back, Bob. Thanks so much, Julie. It's great to be back with you. I like how I said emeritus. I don't remember how I said emeritus, but... When I was reading your bio, I don't know what I said, but please forgive me on that. It is always good to have you here, and um, it's been probably six months since I've had you here, Bob, and I'm going to start with our first traditional question, but I'm going to give it a little twist, and then we are going to muse into a really fun dialogue, I trust. So I'm going to ask if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean as far as developmental psychology and consciousness, wherever you want to go with that today. Wow. Nice twist on that one. Uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> if that's the place where we start, and I think we should start with that understanding that all things are connected, then that means every developmental stage for every living creature is also connected to each other. And the bigger picture of that uh, implication is not only that reality is one, which we may talk more about later, but also that evolution itself is, is uh, leading to a purposeful uh, outcome and, and direction. So, Development is certainly a core part of the uh, reality of all things being connected. 
You know, I, as I was listening to you today, Bob, I'm, I'm imagining um, this. Um, I know we think sometimes in three dimensions or, or even linear, and I'm, I'm seeing the developmental stages as all connected in one, which is oftentimes we don't think about that. We're waiting for this stage or, or that stage. But Bob, you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago and we connected to talk about business and, and other things and our conversation expanded into a delightful exploration of consciousness and evolution like we just began here. And I loved our time together that day. It was so powerful and important. And so I invited you here to continue that conversation for our friends who are listening on the Dr. Julie show here. And I, I hope our conversation can be as rich and organic as it was that day. So coming mm. from this traditional first question of, of where you were, um, let's just stay right there in this field of unity here. And, you know, even I'm going to, I'm going to give this another twist. Let's begin with our collective experience last week. You and I both, and many of our listeners, many, many, many of our listeners participated in World Unity Week. And one of the things that precipitated our conversation was the idea of the science of unity as an expression of our consciousness journey. Um, let's just begin there. If you want to can you share your reflections from World Unity Week and perhaps what you experienced when we're talking about unity, all things connected, and consciousness? Yeah, wow, that's a great place to begin. And, and uh, make keeping this um, organic would be wonderful, and I, I, I'm pretty sure we can accomplish that again uh, as we did before um but when i think about think back on just recently uh, back to world unity week there's one event one program that kind of really stands out and for me kind of captures what the whole week was really about and that was the um the session on telhar de chardin's vision of unity and it was the subtitle for that one was a convergence of evolutionary science and theology. Now, for me, that really gets to the heart of the matter of of um, recognizing that all things are connected and that reality is one. Um, so, what what was so interesting about uh, these two? Uh, this, the evolutionary scientist uh, David Sloan Wilson and and the theologist that we're talking was it was so evident in their conversation that there is a deep harmony and interconnectedness between science and spirituality. And what they were, and so when you bring Gelhard into that conversation, it becomes really clear how he could have been both at the same time. He was both a scientist and a, and a, a spiritual thinker as well. So, what what stood out for me from that event was the whole idea of uh, basically what it comes down to and Tilhard's um, vision of unity was that a single energy causes everything to happen the way it does. And, and not only just uh, randomly or haphazardly, but in cycles that repeat themselves. 
And, and that means that evolution in all realms is tied together. We're seeing more and more signs of that all time. And, and it, it's really illustrating what one of uh, Telhard's great statements that, I, that I've used in my book. He said, ultimately, somehow or other, there must be only a single energy at play in the world. I mean, just think about that. Um, you might, if you're, if you're on the theology side of this um, continuum, you might think that sounds familiar. But if you're on the science side of the continuum, you might wonder, how could that be? But in that conversation, which really represented all all aspects of world unity. I mean, there were there were there was everything from uh, programs on global coherence and sacred activism, indigenous ceremonies, and protecting the waters. Everything that had to do with any aspect of unity. And here we have this one uh, visionary who just kind of says it all in one sentence. Somehow or other there must be only a single energy at play in the world. And that's, um, that can take us so far, not only through World Unity Week, but through the various ways that we do understand that all things are connected. I mean, so that was just such a perfect um, illustration and, and kind of model for me of what that whole week was about and, and this conversation by, uh, with a, a scientist and a theologist coming together to find their common ground, and and it and it really has to do with that uh, that single energy at play in the world. I love that. I did not get to see that session, and so now it's on my radar. I'm going to tune in. I saw it advertised and wanted to get to it, but I had another session that I was delivering. I just want to let our listeners know that many of these videos are on demand and available to you now at any time. And you can go to worldunityweek.org. And in the program, there's a drop-down menu that says videos on demand. You can go and watch that video, that discussion um, that, that Bob is referring to here. I love that, a single energy at play in the world. Okay, so let's turn this science. I want to come back to religion. I'm going to ask you another question later, but I think we need to get the developmental stages of consciousness in here before we expand into a couple questions that um, that popped up for me while you were talking. So you're a scientist of a different kind. You're a developmental science, uh, psychologist. That's a different discipline. And when we're talking about consciousness here, you and I had... Um, the conversation about those developmental stages. And, you know, we have right now, there's, there's a lot of different scientists that have tackled this to create a model from, from Ken Wilbur and the integral community. They have a model of, of levels of consciousness. David Hawkins has a level um, or a model of levels of consciousness. Consciousness. I know Richard Barrett over in the UK is using those different developmental models, 
uh, and stages to expand it from the personal to the collective consciousness. So we have science trying to measure both the individual and collective sciences. And um, I think it's important first to hear from you in your understanding as, as we talk about consciousness as a developmental stage. Mm, yeah, well, that's that's a great one too, and and I think I I think I want to try to answer this in two parts. Um, and the first part is kind of a context to what I um, to how I understand the developmental piece that you're talking about. But but the um, the uh, context to that is kind of what 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 we see happening in the world now i mean that can tell us a whole lot about developmental stages as well so what i see as happening now is that a, a new story of the evolution of consciousness is unfolding and it's a narrative of how all of us who share this planet are being guided toward a recognition of our interconnectedness wholeness and oneness there are incredible possibilities in the evolution of consciousness, and this is well known. They permeate ancient wisdom as well as modern quantum theory. But these possibilities are all embedded in our collective unconscious as archetypes. They are emerging into our consciousness more rapidly now in this time of great change and transformation. These possibilities are leading us toward our innate human potential and are confirming that the direction of the evolutionary impulse is from separation to union, from the many to the one. Yet the only thing that really changes in this journey from separation to wholeness is consciousness. So that's because reality is a unified field that comprises the entirety of creation. And we are always tethered to its farthest reaches and connected each and every moment to its very core. But at this critical moment, as we each live into our own version of a deep pattern of conscious evolution, we can each choose to align ourselves with a timeless blueprint that guides us toward achieving our fullest potential while at the same time, collectively guiding us toward our common destiny. This, this blueprint also outlines the individual and collective evolution of consciousness that guides us all toward co-creating a narrative of harmony, unity, and wholeness that is both a call to action and a way to birth the most significant transformation of consciousness in history. So that's just kind of the context to the, the evolutionary developmental journey that um, you were using for the title. And, and to get a little more at that, um, one of the ways I've come to understand this consciousness journey, which really is both an evolutionary journey and a developmental journey is first of all, and that's that's in, uh, what I want. The way I want to describe this journey uh, developmentally 
is in is with three parts. The first part is about meaning. What is the meaning of this consciousness journey? Well, it's about three things. The, the meaning is embedded in, in three key concepts, and they are evolution, consciousness, and wholeness. And each one of those has their own principle that uh, I, I, I'm actually taking these from my book, The Story of Our Time. The evolution principle says that evolution is purposeful and progressive. The consciousness principle says that consciousness is an innate potentiality dependent upon the initiative we take to actively investigate reality. The search for truth expands our consciousness. And the third part of the meaning is the wholeness principle, which is that consciousness evolves toward wholeness and unity. So these three parts of the meaning of the journey are all about healing the illusion of separation. Then the second part of the consciousness journey is about the pattern that it follows or the blueprint. And these three parts of the pattern are really taken from or adapted from Joseph Campbell's work in mythology that I'll say more about in a minute. But the purpose of the, the uh, pattern, which is the call to a, the call to wholeness, the road of trials, and living in wholeness, that's all about finding the order in chaos. And then the third part of the journey is about its purpose, which is throughout this whole journey and the developmental stages that, are, that make it up, we are led to a hidden wholeness that removes the boundaries where we thought there were and discover that there's an underlying existence of unity and diversity. That's the basic um, three parts to the journey. And I just wanted to uh, add to that, that um, being based on Joseph Campbell's work in mythology, when he pulled together the archetypes of the world's mythology to form the pattern of what he called the monomyth or the journey of the hero, which consisted of the call to adventure, the road of trials, and the return. Although he presented it as both inner and outer, it became seen primarily as an outward journey. And it's only recently that this pattern has become more understood as a universal timeless inner journey that is really for the purpose of the transformation of consciousness. So from my own experience of meeting Joseph Campbell at a time in my life when I didn't yet understand the meaning or the purpose of that pattern and having him become a mentor, I've gradually come to see that this pattern is broader and deeper than mythology, ritual, and even religion. It is what our spiritual DNA is made up of. Every single human being that ever lived on this planet was born with potential to realize the fruits 
of living this pattern and becoming conscious of its meaning and purpose, not only for the benefit of one's own life, but for the well-being and fulfillment of all life on this planet. So we can understand this pattern now as outlining the consciousness journey and leading us ultimately to the hidden wholeness, which has always existed, and rather than separating us, actually unites us all. I think I'll just leave it there for a moment and let you pick up wherever you want or from any of that. Oh, you put so many jewels on the table. I don't know which one to pick up first. Um, but I think where I do want to go first before we, because we're headed to break, and you said a few things that are so important. Um, I'm just going to make two observations that maybe you can expand on. One, you talked about the developmental journey and the evolutionary journey, and I'm just curious how you see them as the same and different. I think you were you were giving us the definition in real time through your your response there. But the other piece um, that really strikes me, Bob, while listening to you was how uh, um, it's, it's almost like that inner journey and outer journey are the same thing. I was hearing how the individual journey and our collective journey appear to be the same thing as well. So I'm, I'm curious what you might add to that. Yeah, sure. Um, so the short answer is yes to both of those questions. And uh, <laughs> okay, so yeah, I do see. I do see. Um, I mean, as a developmental psychologist, I do see developmental stages the same as evolutionary stages. And just to quickly make that connection to your second part there, they are reflective of each other. The individual reflects the whole and the whole reflects the individual. So they're interconnected in that way because they follow the same basic pattern, which is, as I indicated earlier, they both from a developmental perspective and from an evolutionary perspective, they are both about the, the transformation of consciousness. And, and yeah, when, as that happens on the individual level and more and more of us experience that in the, in the archetypes that are embedded within us that, that express that pattern, each part of it, that, that awareness grows from one person to another and then it becomes part of the collective experience as well at the same time. So right now we're really, those two are overlapping in their unfolding. And that um, I think it's really evident with so many things like World Unity Week and, and so many other <clears throat> organizations of organizations and networks of networks that with the increase in the number of individuals who are experiencing this, the collective experience is evolving at a quicker pace than it may have been even, you know, a, a few decades ago. So there they go. They're the same pattern and they go hand in hand. The more 
individuals that experience the archetypes that make up that pattern of transformation, the uh, the more the collective whole will uh, experience that as well. That's wonderful. That again, I have so many questions here now and and notes here that we are going to have an amazing second half of this show. <laughs> I can't wait to dig into a few more things you're you're talking about here, Bob. So, listeners, you're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. I'm Julie Kroll. We're here with Bob Atkinson, exploring the consciousness journey. When we return, we're going to dig in and. Um, look at a few more really important pieces as we're talking about this meaning and purpose and also the well-being of all life. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to return in just a minute. Meditation Channel, non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. Great party, huh, guys? Yeah, oh, yeah. it is. This is so great. much fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do say so myself. Um, hey, did you know that birthday parties actually help build confidence in kids? Um, yeah, I did know that. Did you know that giving kids less sugar before bedtime helps them sleep better? Right, of course. Yeah, I knew that. Um, did you know that strollers have the right of way on sidewalks? <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you know that friendly kids statistically have more friends? <laughs> Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, It's pretty obvious. Yeah, so obvious. Hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? I didn't know that. I think I knew that. No, no, you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Kelly Clarkson and I've toured the country dozens of times and there's one thing every state has in common. Childhood hunger. The sad truth is that 17 million kids don't know where their next meal is coming from or if it's even coming at all. Yet there are billions of pounds of surplus food around the country at farms and warehouses that could help end this injustice. But all that food is useless if it doesn't get where it needs to go. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. Find out how at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. 
I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. You know how to react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you are inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a way shower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected every week with my newsletter where you'll find meaningful content, opportunities, and inspiration. You can do that by signing up at juliecrawlemail.com. Again, that's juliecrawlemail, K-R-U-L-L, email. Dot com. And my guest today is Bob Atkinson. We are talking about the consciousness journey. You can find Bob's work at robertatkinson.net. Again, that's Robert, A-T as in Tom, K as in kitten, I-N-S-O-N dot net. Ooh, Bob, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much goody, goody, goody stuff right here, but I do know that um, just sinking into this developmental perspective is an important piece. And I, I, I think I want to begin here that when we understand consciousness and this transformation of comp- consciousness from a developmental perspective, some say there's really not much we need to do. <laughs> It becomes a consciousness journey that unfolds and emerges with life experience and maturation. It it moves through us, and it's a natural progression of life that we're all waking in perfect timing. And yet, Bob, we both hear the urgency of activists who are pushing for humanity to wake up, reflecting on the, the timelessness of the economic, social, and and climate crisis that we're in. When you think about this developmental journey, this evolutionary journey of consciousness on the planet, this transformation, what do you say to this idea of the urgency and that organic awakening? This is an important topic for so many right now. Yeah, it really is. And and, um, to get to the, to the, bottom line, there's no time to waste in this uh, process that we're all uh, involved in. And and it's just to go back to what you're saying about the way it happens. I mean, it, it is definitely through life experience that we uh, go through the consciousness journey. I mean, without life experience, if we sat in wherever and just uh, meditated a life away, we would never have the kinds of experiences that are there for and totally designed to bring about not not just the transformation of consciousness, which is 
what it is about, but also in a way that takes us through the the challenges of life, the difficulties of life, so that we see the uh, the clarity of the opposing forces that we live with every moment of our lives on this planet, and and so it's it's definitely about being open to and and even even um, welcoming whatever life experiences come our way, because that's the only way we will uh, first get through the the experience of the transformation of consciousness, which in that process makes us even more aware of the purpose of those um, challenges and adversities that do come along, not only come along, but that are part of life. Uh, and so this transformation that we've been talking about depends upon and incorporates adversity, which mm. itself creates and amplifies a necessary opposition to be resolved. That's the essential oppositional process of polarities confronting each other that makes up a sacred pattern leading to transformation that we can depend upon and that is there for us to achieve our fullest potential. So, and where you were also, I think, alluding to the, um, uh, to where humanity is right now in our uh, collective evolution, this being a time where um, what I might think of as sacred activism is is really needed to um, to move along that that collective transformation that is also needed, um, and it's becoming clearer and clearer with so many things happening in the world now that. Without that collective transformation moving along and being being um, helped and facilitated by each of us, we could have ourselves in a real problem. I mean, we already do, but it could even get worse than it already is if we don't recognize the the um, the responsibility in that each of us have as individuals in helping to move the collective along toward the collective potential that has been the core of all of the world's sacred traditions. And they all have some form of the vision of heaven on earth. That's what, that's really where our evolution has been guiding us toward forever. And we've gotten to the point now where if that doesn't happen before other kinds of things happen, we are really in a lot of trouble. But I think that it can happen smoothly rather than um, not smoothly because we do have all of the wisdom, all of the resources, all of the tools, all the principles, all the values, all the goals and everything that we as humanity need to fulfill that age-old vision 
of all the sacred traditions. Mm. I'm going to get to the sacred traditions, but I just want to follow that with um, listening to you answer my question. It, it's an and both. It's it's that this developmental process is happening through us and there is a sense of urgency for our collective awakening that points us to caring for the planet. So I want to I want to go there next, but first I just want to pause and Paul mm-hmm. Hawkins, Paul Hawkins, um, during World Unity Week, um, during his plenary was was saying that with our, our beliefs don't change our action. This is new science. I need to go find out what he was quoting because I want to find the source of this science. But he said there's a new research piece out that says that our beliefs don't change our action, but action can change our beliefs. And so he was encouraging us to get involved, to start taking action, to just just begin. And with the doing it literally can shift our beliefs um, about our wholeness, about this transformation, the consciousness that we're talking about, this evolutionary process. So I thought that was really interesting. Have you heard that? Um, I didn't. Well, actually, yeah, I did. When someone else was talking about that from from that program, a World Unity Week, but I hadn't heard of it before that. And it's, I think, again, what you just said before, this too is a both and it's not i mean the second part of what he said was that um actions can change beliefs that is pretty clear i think um but the first part of what he said is not so clear in uh, as you know the the way that i would think of it as being true in most or i mean all or even most cases because how many other examples can we think of where belief has brought about or changed people's actions i mean belief really is to me the way i see the way i understand belief that is the basis of every action that we take and so I wouldn't make it um, exclusive or one or the other. I would say it's both and both are as true as the other in my in my view. Yeah, that that that's that's my opinion too. I think it is a good solid both, and I think that our our thinking, feeling, and doing are so intermingled that any one of those can up level us in our conscious awareness of things. So I'm with you on that. Um, I used to give this when I was teaching, I would, I would give this, um, I'd move my hand in like a a record playing on an old phonograph. You know, it's going around in a circle, think, feel, do, think, feel, do, think, feel, do. And at any one place in there, we can have that epiphany, that aha, you know, in our thinking, in our feeling, in our doing. Any one of those can move us into a greater awareness, and we have this this new level of of mm. awareness for ourselves. And and so I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. I want to find um, I'm, I'm going to well, reference I mean, it, or I'm going to just just there really are so many examples of belief in action. I mean, turning belief 
interaction. And you can think of all the people during the Holocaust who took in, you know, those that were being threatened and, and uh, needed needed refuge. And and the other part about that is that if that if beliefs did not change action, there wouldn't be any such thing as altruism. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Altru- altruism is belief in action, even even pro-social behavior and and activity is belief in action. So so there's a lot to be said about uh, both of those being true. I think there's, there's lots of examples of. But anyway, uh, you were going on to something else. Yeah, I was just gonna um, just presence that it goes in the shadow side as well, the negative. Uh, a negative belief has created a lot of actions and we've we've watched we've watched that unfold over the last six years, if not a decade mm-hmm. of, of a negative belief that's not true creating yeah. results in the world, creating action. So okay, so we're yeah. we're not gonna I think we made the point there, and I appreciate you really saying that and and doing that. I'm going to find the source of that research of what he was referring to, and maybe we can clarify it on another show so people can get to the bottom of that one. But it, it, it this brings me to the medicine piece. I just want to, you know, presence that in this evolutionary stage that we're on, Joanna Macy calls it the great turning, you know, a shift from the industrial growth society to a life-sustaining civilization. And we know in this stage that all the systems and structures from the world built in this consciousness, in this worldview, the illusion of separation are are really breaking down before our eyes as we move toward a life-sustaining civilization. We need systems and structures that reflect and serve this whole system's health and the consciousness of wholeness and unity. So um, in this total transformation, I just want to presence um, you. This is what sparked our conversation a couple of weeks ago when you and I were talking too, is I had mentioned in the book, Our Moment of Choice, that you were a co-editor with. Elizabeth Satoris talks about this life-sustaining civilization, and you and Kurt Johnson, co-editor, rephrased this in such a meaningful way for me, and, and you said, this time is about creating cooperative communities that care for all life, and I usually add, and future generations. To that, because that's who we are as a planetary superorganism. We're we're thinking about future generations, not just all life right here now, in this right. urgency that we were talking about. But this does move us into this time um, of creating cooperative communities that care for all life and future generations. I'm wondering if you can expand on that. Yeah, that that's uh, that was so well said. Um, the way you. Just put that, and and it's so crucial right now for that to be, and I think it is happening. That's kind of why we uh, wanted to uh, make sure that was clear in the uh, in the epilogue to that book, and because it is happening, and um, through things like World Unity Week and so many other events like that, that that bring in people from all around the world to present. 
about what they're doing to to protect the waters and the, everything else, um, that's becoming so much clearer to to the um, to those of us who are, you know, part of that whole process. And as it it's going, it's it is in the process of growing, expanding to to you know beyond these um, smaller circles, uh, because part, another part of the evolutionary process is that there are actually built-in natural cycles to the evolutionary process. And and just uh, if we have a minute to say a little bit about that, I mean, uh, our humanity's collective evolution of consciousness, it's, it's, not a, it's not just a linear progression from one point to another. And it's and it's not random or even regressive. It's it's really a uh, purposeful process of cycles of transformation, with built-in strife, chaos, and upheaval leading to renewal, which then brings us to the next level of our of our evolutionary development. And that's uh, it, it's it's all of these nonlinear cyclical renewals that are happening, that are moving us to the to the uncontrovertible evidence that we are now, you know, we've long ago moved from the level of family unity to tribal unity to city-state unity, to national unity. It's so clear now that we're moving toward the level of world unity that those cooperative communities that we were talking about is the only way, or one of the most important ways we're going to see world unity, whether it's in our lifetime or whenever. That is all part of the evolutionary process that has been going on forever. And we're now, it's so clear that we're, we're at that level of world unity. And because of that, what we need most are those, as many of those cooperative communities working together, creating networks of networks and, and interconnecting with each other in so many ways like World Unity Week did, bringing together so many people, doing so many things in so many different um, areas. They, they're all, everything that was part of World Unity Week from the protecting the waters and the indigenous ceremonies, everything else, they were all stepping stones to that level of world unity and, and uh, uh, Peace on Earth that that has been promised forever. So we we definitely need more, and we need to be aware of the role of those cooperative communities more so too, so that we can we can each. I mean, I mean this is part of how we become activists um, or, or active in some way is finding the community or the cooperative community in our area and doing what we can to contribute to what they're doing and and because they're part of a larger whole that is um, unfolding in a way that um, will eventually allow us to realize world unity. 
Yeah, it's like those um, nesting dolls. I think they were Russian yeah. where they the inside each doll. Mm -hmm. And it's like when coming into that, we're all nested within networks of networks of networks. And that's, I, I love that suggestion. So we had referenced theology earlier and um, yeah, I, I just want to go back there because you were just talking about peace on earth and we're, we're talking about, heaven on earth that is a part of so many different faith traditions um, saying that um, when we talk about the stages of consciousness it, there's also different religious experience and even different religions are, are perhaps have been formed within the different stages themselves, but until we get to the ancient spiritual wisdom. So I'm just wondering, how do these, how do different religions express our different levels of consciousness and where are we going? How, how do we get to that peace on earth, heaven on earth? When we talk about nation states and religious war seems to be, some of the biggest conflict on the planet. So how, how do different religions express these different levels of consciousness? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, and it does, that also connects to the developmental question that uh, we were talking about earlier, because, you know, one of the only things now that's not seen as evolving is religion. And, if we do live in a reality that is one, that is unified and whole, how could any one thing, whether it's religion or anything else, not evolve in the way everything else evolves? So that's one perspective on the question that you raise. And, and, I, and I don't think it's been looked at um, uh, significantly enough yet because one of the because we go through, I mean, our, our, our collective spiritual evolution has been, has also been developmental and evolutionary at the same time in, in its own way, too. We've had a number of spiritual epics in which each one has had its own Ten Commandments or its own Beatitudes that capture the essence of spiritual truth for that time. And so what we need now are unifying principles that characterize the spirit of the age we're living in right now. And so after many centuries of the evolution of consciousness, taking us from, as I mentioned before, family unity, community unity, so on, we're now recognizing that interdependence, unity, and wholeness on the global level are what define our time. So that so we need unifying principles that reflect that that um, that which defines us in, in in this era. And you know, there are so many uh, documents and value statements, so on out there like the um, Parliament of the World's Religions, uh, a, a Global Ethic, is a beautiful document that brought the world's um, uh, values and ethical standards together in one document. 
and what they what they're really getting at is that first of all reaching that long-standing goal won't happen without uh, a recognition that consciousness needs to be transformed our consciousness needs to be transformed secondly we we need to recognize that where we're transforming toward consciously is the recognition that we that humanity is one in this time and so we need supporting principles that will mm-hmm. bring help bring that that understanding and that principle about in our time just uh, as a couple of examples um, supporting principles like equality between women and men, uh, balance between wealth and poverty, justice that is unitive, not punitive, and education that's universal, and nature that is protected as a divine trust. These are all the uh, really the Ten Commandments of our time in terms of building that that um, global community that is needed for our Thank you for that. I I love the idea of unifying principles. And when you speak of them as the Ten Commandments of our time, that's really powerful for us to tune in and go, oh, yeah. I just want to drop in. I I think that there's a a really um, beautiful potential for all of us in the Codes for Healthy Earth. The different pieces that you just listed, Bob, are written within the Codes for Healthy Earth. And and our listeners, you can go to codes.earth, C-O-D-E-S, codes.earth. And it does talk about how we treat women, the equality, the justice, the the care for all life and future generations. All of that is an important piece. So, wow, our time went so fast, Bob. This was a delight. Um, we just have, uh, you know, another minute here in, in 30 seconds or so. Is there any last thing that you want to say that you didn't have an opportunity to say? Oh, well, it, it's always a delight to uh, talk with you, Julie. And, and I think um, the thing to remember, I guess, is that um, we really are, I mean, well, that uh, going back to where we started for a second, um, the consciousness journey that we started out with is really about our return to wholeness. And if we can keep that in mind is that the purpose, the meaning, the pattern and the purpose of the consciousness journey is to help guide us to the, to the return to wholeness. And that implies that it's always there. It always has been. And, and the interesting thing is that the indigenous communities never lost that sense of living with a with a worldview of wholeness but we western world has and we're on a consciousness journey to return to that wholeness beautiful beautiful thank you bob and i just want to leave everyone with the words of pierre taylor de chardin since we brought him up there's almost a sensual longing for communion with others who have a large vision, the immense fulfillment of friendship between those engaged in furthering the evolution of consciousness has a quality impossible 
to describe. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.